Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And man, oh man, I've been looking forward to this episode for a long, long time now. Uh, I get to sit down. I get to talk with my friend, Nate Miller, uh, about all things hockey. So I know some people out there who are, you know, it's it's a little bit of a pivot this week, you know, because we, you know, we feature a lot of outdoors adventures and and all that um, endurance racing and things like that. And this week we're going to sit and talk about a really fascinating uh, kind of hockey career that my buddy Nate has had. Um, and I guess I want to say, like, I think the connection piece for me as it pertains to like you know, kind of the common ideas and themes that we talk about in the Like a Bigfoot podcast is the idea of just kind of chasing your passion and and taking opportunities and seeing when the doors open to uh to various things like going going forward and trying out trying them out and trying new paths and and kind of discovering where your path will take you. Um you know, without fully knowing, like not following the predetermined way to do things, but really kind of, I, I honestly, when people talk about like, Hey, a predetermined path towards success, like, I don't think that actually exists. I don't think there's like a prescribed pattern anyone can take to actually find success. I think success kind of comes, stems from, uh, being really passionate and being really excited about something and then just following that excitement through opportunities that present themselves. And Nate has done that. Um, little statistics or not statistics, but like kind of bio for you. Nate was the captain for Minnesota hockey um, when he was in college, University of Minnesota, um, the Gophers, the Gophers. Um, and that ended around 2000 from there he went and kind of chased his passion through uh semi pros um making it really really high up in in the world of hockey uh and he'll talk about all that on here um and then the opportunity presented itself to try out for this little sports film that they were making called Miracle uh, which has been voted by me and my friend Brandon on the Like a Bigfoot podcast as the ultimate sports movie and my personal favorite sports movie of all time. Um, Miracle, it was a Disney movie and it was about the 1980s uh, Olympic journey of the men's hockey team and their ultimate goal. Uh, you know, victory and the ultimate underdogs really as they faced the mighty, mighty Russia Olympic hockey team um, on their way to the gold medal. Um, Nate tried out for the movie and ended up being a star of Miracle or one of the hockey players that you see quite often in the movie. He played John Baugh Harrington and there's just so many things I want to talk to Nate about that I'm excited for you guys to listen to because I want to ask him about hockey. Um, it's a sport that I personally loved growing up. Um, I was probably the only 
one of the only people at the time in Muscatine, Iowa to play. We would have to drive like 40 minutes to Davenport uh, where they had just opened a facility when I was in second grade. They had just opened it, just started a hockey program. Um, so my parents signed me up and I spent second grade through 10th grade every winter um, driving 40 minutes up for practice, 40 minutes back. My parents bless their hearts. Oh my God. They sacrificed a lot just to, to help me play. Um, and I loved it. It was definitely something I was super passionate about. It was something that allowed me to feel unique. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel very unique or even like special at times as a kid. I felt like an ordinary kid. Uh, but I had this, this thing, this secret, uh, you know, skill or secret sport that I would go up and play that none of my friends played or anything like that. And it really just brought me this joy and this love for, um, not only hockey, but really all things, team sports and competition and things like that. And Nate and I will talk about it on it on here. I've rediscovered it lately. My kids are signed up for hockey. I live in a big hockey town right now. Like a bunch of my middle schoolers play, um, the, the kids that I teach, it's a big program here. And so I've kind of like rediscovered the love for it. And man, when you put, when you strap skates back on, I hadn't skated in like probably like eight years. And then you put them back on, you just feel at home and it's incredible. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. I know this is a bit, a bit different episode and I'm super psyched. Uh, hope you guys are too. This is the like a Bigfoot podcast number 284 with the amazing, Nate Miller. All right, ladies and gents, I'm super excited, man. Uh, I'm catching up with with one of my friends, and I haven't talked to you. We haven't caught up for a long, long time. But uh, but I'm, I I want to just kind of talk all things about hockey. I'm we okay. become obsessed with hockey in our house, and I'm so excited. Well, that's great to hear. I guess I'm I've. I'm inundated with hockey as well, so it won't be a problem on this end. Well, so what town in Minnesota are you guys in? Oh, I guess I should say we're here with Nate Miller. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. What? Uh, where are you guys at in Minnesota? So we're in, um, well, the association we play in is YZ. We technically live in Medina, which is about, oh, geez. 20 miles west of the Twin Cities. Okay. And um, YZ is kind of made up of the original white town of YZ, which is on Lake Minnetonka, which most people I think are somewhat familiar with, thanks to David Chappelle. Um, <laughs> and then it's Plymouth is a huge suburb that all go to YZ schools. Medina is a small suburb that goes to YZ schools. So we're part of a huge association. We have, I think, 12 elementary schools in the district, and we're adding the 13th, I believe. Dude, uh, first of all, I have to say, does Minnesota have the coolest names of towns of any state? They've got some good ones. <laughs> I'm from Anoka, Minnesota, which I always thought was a pretty good one. And, it's a good one. You know, Minnetonka is good. Why is that is good? But a lot of people do struggle that are not from here with them. I can't. Every time we drive through Minnesota, one is like shake your pee or shake your pee. Shaka pee. Just oh, there you go. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to say this. Uh, I never thought of it that way. The shake your pee, though. That's an interesting twist. It, it is interesting. And uh, I'm sure people who live there are like, dude, screw you. Like, what do you say? <laughs> people are very provincial here. So they get very upset. And I have to explain to people. You got to remember, not everyone grew up in Minnesota. 
Yeah. You're not going to know how to say Shakopee or Chaska or Noka or Wyzetta or Minnetonka. <laughs> you know, it's going to take him a few tries. So, but people yeah. get very defensive. Yeah. I'm good at international falls. I'm like, okay, I can okay, say that's that. That's a good one. one. Yeah. That's a yeah. good one. That's a ways from here, but in Minnesota, that's, that's it's a correct. long, long ways from there. But yeah. dude, I mean, of course you're inundated with hockey. Like you, you guys live in Minnesota. Like that's the land of hockey. I feel like. It is. I mean, and we're, and I feel like they've really leaned into it lately and obviously getting the outdoor NHL winter classic uh, only added to that, but it's pretty wild. I had no idea what I was getting. I grew up here, played hockey. My parents weren't from hockey background. So we were, my brother and I were kind of the first generation. And even back then I was, you know, that's the mid eighties. I started, I suppose it was kind of on the heels of miracle on ice and, you know, North stars were big here. Go for hockey was big here. So it felt like there's a lot of hockey around then smash cut to now. And it's grown tenfold. It is really? boys, girls, every community association's huge. It's every, I, I just had no idea. And then you, Couple that with not just the association hockey, but the club hockey, AAA, it's called different things. Some I I registered my kid for some summer training programs uh, last week, and it's they're everywhere. There's all kinds of teams. It's madness, and <laughs> which is fun, but it's just also you get kind of sometimes overwhelmed. And people assume because you grew up playing here that I have the answers to this stuff. And I'm like, this is a new world to me for what hockey was. There used to be like one all-star team in an area. Now there's 20 all-star teams yeah. in an area. So it's grown, which is great. Um, the girls game is growing tremendously, which is awesome. I mean, there's a robust program here. Almost every city has one and the level of play is so good. I was leaving the rink with my son the other day and the girls varsity team was practicing and I was watching them and I'm like, they're all, big fast shooting the puck hard like yeah that's not in a sexist way it's just it was when i was growing up it was so small that a lot of girls were playing in high school hockey they only played hockey for three or four years yeah now these girls are playing since they're four years old and we have my son's uh, my oldest son's a squirt there's two girls on his team even though there is a woman a girl's team at the same age they opt in the boys hockey which which is great and it's everywhere and it's uh it's omnipresent yeah, dude. That's wild. Well, it's good to hear that that's happened in Minnesota because out here, I was just telling you in Arvada, Colorado, like, and really the front range, it is such a huge thing. Um, and I grew up in like quad cities, uh, yeah. of like Iowa and Illinois. And, but I was like 45 minutes from the hockey rink. And so my town had no hockey. And so to go from that to like where we are now, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy, dude. Yeah. And like, what's funny about Iowa in my mind is I never played there in youth hockey, but then I played junior hockey. You would have destroyed us in Iowa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. We played one team or we played a couple teams from Minnesota. One of them was, I called them like almost Canada. I'm like, they're almost Canada. And they beat us like 11 to one. It was rough. Yeah. It gets real serious up there. I mean, it's, you know, those towns aren't as big generally, but they're still super competitive and they, you know, they play a lot of hockey because that's, yeah. there's not a lot else to do on some of the Northern Iron Range town when we get towards Canada. Yeah. But, but when I played in the old USA, well, there still is a USHL. It's just grown and moved. When I was there, there was teams in Waterloo, Des Moines, Sioux City, um, uh, Mason City. So yeah. I figured there was like a robust hockey scene in, Iowa, but I guess that was more in the junior level, not the youth level. Dude, I guess there was a lot of guys from Iowa on those teams. <laughs> so I should tip me yeah. off. 
there is a robust like people liking to go to hockey games and getting one dollar beers. Yeah, that's what the robust. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's true. Waterloo was big on that. I know. Like if they scored, uh, a light went off for like five minutes, and you could get dollar beers while that light was spinning or something. <laughs> that's genius, dude. I had yeah. a. Yeah, we would go, Lindsay. I I don't know if you guys ever went when we were all in Des Moines to like a Rough Riders game. We never did. No, I would have liked to though. It'd been fun just because that would have brought me back to my days of uh, junior hockey. But and even that league now has changed so much. Like we, I played St. Paul Vulcans as a team. They moved to I think Kearney, Nebraska. But in all the towns, if you don't draw five, six thousand people, it's like not really a franchise. They have teams in Chicago and there. And now, like every kid that plays there, pretty much gets drafted. I mean, it's really high level. Where back in my day, there would be the odd kid that'd get drafted out of juniors and yeah. You know, the goal then was to get a scholarship, and it still is now. It's just a different process. These guys are, you know, have a first-round draft pick playing in the USHL. Yeah, man. Dude, that's wild. So I have to say this. I I was at school today, and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Nate. Let's look him up on Google. So I typed in Nate Miller Hockey. In the first, like, five websites, this is something I didn't know existed. A website came up called HockeyFights.com. And apparently oh, yeah. it's like a database and you can type in oh, anybody yeah. into hockeyfights.com and they come up and you had one hockey fight according to hockeyfights.com. Really? Yeah. And I've never, I've been on that website. I've never actually <laughs> looked and I was at a weird, like when I was in junior, there was some fighting Yeah. college. There was no fighting. Then when I played in the minors, there was considerable fighting and I don't know, <laughs> but that was, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, that era. So that was yeah. kind of just before everyone had a phone, every game was taped, you know, yeah. everything was posted online. Guys now that play, I mean, every minute of their, you know, careers Career, be documented. Yeah. So, and that's probably good. I fought, you know, I don't know how many times the minors, six to eight. Um, I never won any fights. It was sheer survival. <laughs> so I'm probably glad they're not on hockey TV. Your kids but, are Googling you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I never got, you know, injured in a fight so i consider that a wild success that is a wild success man dude um we took harper to an avalanche game and she didn't know about that fighting was a thing and as soon as it happened like this dude got cheap shotted big time and like not like on the ice not moving and another dude just runs up and just starts fighting that guy and i looked over at her face and just the pure look of like what is happening right now and i was like yeah and i had to try to explain to like a 7 year old like they can do this but you can't do this so like don't worry about it it was very confusing that, that had to be innocence lost there like watching <laughs> it unfold because it is a weird element and it's so it, it's gotten so i mean i want to call it rare but it's it's so different than it used to it's be they've really taken different. a lot of it yeah. out of it but like when i played when i was at the kings organization i actually played an exhibition game with the kings in colorado at the pepsi center i think it had just opened it was about 2000 yeah that makes sense and there was a guy uh, scott parker for the avalanche who was a all-time tough guy and the kings had Stu grimson who was a, another all-time tough guy and they're both, you know, six, six ish, 250 pounds. And it was scary to, the way they hit each other. And then as I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm actually involved in this game. Like <laughs> that's, I, I, I'm frightened. And, and I mean, they don't need to fight a guy like me, thank God, but the size and it was, and that's just what they did. Like they fought once and I think Parker got the best of them. So it's like, well, we got to fight again now. And I'm just like, playing a game like that when you have to fight guys like that it's and then you're seeing some of the 
post-playing problems these guys do encounter. It's a, it's a hard way to make a living. I mean, it's, and in nowadays, I mean, there's not really any of those guys left. Most of the guys are, you know, can play and they will fight when needed. But those guys that were just sheer tough guys, I mean, and every guy that got called up to the minors was gunning to fight them because they wanted to fight the toughest guys to build no their way. resume. Oh, it was, and these guys would look at the programs and say, oh, this guy got called up from this league. I'm going to fight him. And, I'm, and it's, it was this whole system. And there is, you know, the code they call it. There's actually a decent book about it out there somewhere, but it's a whole thing and who you fight and when you fight. And it's a, it was a complex system. And now and that's again, bygone era, but it's uh, for the kids. It is confusing because we were watching the wild game last night and uh, a guy cheap sided uh, Kirill Kaprizov who's kind of the young gun star. I heard about the, this. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. my coworker is a big, uh, he's from Minneapolis. Okay. I mentioned, I, he was like, dude, I know Nate. Or he's not he, I don't think he knows you, but he's like, I was a huge university of Minnesota fan okay and uh stuff like that but he was so mad about that because we're all gonna go watch the wild avalanche in a few weeks yeah my daughter wanted to see him so bad yeah and he's i mean he's a real deal he's fun to watch and then you know as that hit happened there was a bit of a fight and then later in the game uh marcus felino who's tough guy score for the wild challenge that guy again and they fought and i find myself like geez i don't know if i should let the kids watch this and then um as they're going to bed, I'm like, hey, guys, come down here. And I rewound it and, like, showed him Felino fighting this guy. I'm like, he's standing up for his teammate. So then I'm like, should I do that or not? And I tried you to tried do the same to thing. dad mode it. You're yeah, I'm like, you got to see this, but don't ever do this. So it's a, it, that's the one tricky thing about hockey. When your teammates are like, hey, I'm going to fight this guy and blah, blah, blah. Are you just, like, in the corner just, like, trying to stay quiet? Like, no, I'm good. And, like, I'm – like, let me give you an example. I played rugby in college. And we played Bremer County in Waverly. And there were these brothers on that team that were just like, they just wanted to destroy people. Like that's all they wanted to do. And they did like a cheap shot or something. I don't know what happened, but it erupted in a brawl. And it was like probably like eight people from each team just brawling each other. And I had a good friend from high school who was on that team. And I just looked at him like, Hey, Zeus, do you want to, are we going to fight too? And he's like, I think I'm good. I'm like, I think I'm good too, man. Yeah. But then you kind of feel bad because you're like, oh, yeah, man. like, <laughs> so it's a weird, it, it's back then it was so defined, like who the fighters were, who the tough guys were. And then if you were, I was kind of like a grinder, third, fourth liner, winger, four check hard, play good D, go to the net kind of guy. So I just like, there was no, boy, this guy's going to be a tough guy. He's going to fight all these big guys. It was more just show you're willing to do it. And then people pretty much left you alone from like, they wouldn't try to pick on you. If you were a kind of guy that was obviously scared or went after a small guy, then you're going to get some problems. Yeah. So really it was just show you could do it, show you'd stand up for a teammate, show you weren't afraid to do it. Then you didn't have to do it. Yeah. And so that was, you know, but then things would happen where, you know, kind of the brawl type situation would break out. And that was um, one time I got it over my head in that situation, but generally there wasn't like, you know, a day to day, like I have to fight this guy. And I remember one time I was actually playing and this wasn't good for my career. I was centering two tough guys, <laughs> uh, both Kip Brennan who played in uh, with the Kings in the NHL and the other teams and uh, Ryan Flynn giant guy who played too, but they weren't, uh, they were low on skill and high on toughness. And so you play with two guys like that. You're not too worried because their, their whole objective is to get in a fight more or less. And there, I remember the other guys, tough guy took a run at me and I knew he was coming. So I got rid of the puck and I just put my elbow up to defend myself and I caught him flush in the nose. 
blood everywhere. He's down. I get a five minute major. And I go to the box, I'm like, well, I might have to fight him because I kind of cheap shot at him. I would argue I was just defending myself. You but... put a giant target on your back of that. Yeah, blade. exactly. And I get back to the bench and Kip and Ryan are there. They're like, don't you, don't you dare fight him. I'm fighting him. And then Ryan's like, no, Kip, I'm fighting him. No, I'm fighting him. And I'm like, wow, right now I feel like the most protected human being on earth. So I got these <laughs> two guys who are very skillful in fighting, just dying to fight this guy. So I was like, okay. That was good. Thanks, guys. But then again, I'm like, you know, we're playing seven minutes a night and we're definitely not going to score a goal. So I'm also looking at my career and being like, well, this is nice to be just protected. Probably doesn't bode well for my future. <laughs> um, tell me about how you got into hockey. You mentioned like your parents weren't really like into it necessarily. Um, and then I also want to hear like, what is it that like drew you to it? Because I know for me, like there's just something about skating. Like, it just feels good. I don't even know how to describe it to people, but once you do it and once you're, like, okay at it or, like, decent at it, it's just really fun. Yeah, and that was, um, you know, we didn't, you know, I'm sure I was watching the North Stars back in the day for, you know, the younger audience that was a former NHL team in the in Minneapolis. Yeah. And um, we watched those games and I always found them exciting, but we never – you know, again, we didn't, my parents didn't buy a skates or anything like that. And we started playing in the basement. We had an unfinished basement. My brother and I would find, you know, a milk crate to shoot a ball into and kind of doing the knee hockey type floor hockey type stuff. And then we finally went to open skating at the local rink. And I think it was, it's so hard at first. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's so, so hard. It's yeah. not a natural motion. You're on a slick surface. You have two small blades. And, but by the end of like that hour, you know, I could kind of stand up. And at, I was probably seven or eight. So, you know, a little older than kids start now. And, but it was that sense of accomplishment. Like, wait, I couldn't even stand up and now I can kind of stand. Yeah. And we had a lot of outdoor ice, outdoor rings. So my parents are kind of like, well, you can go to the rink and skate for free whenever you want to. And my brother and I just kept asking them to take us. And we basically just got left there and kind of became rink rats and hung out there all day and played and pick up games. And it got to the point where, my parents were like, okay, you guys seem serious about enough to do the free ice. We'll sign you up for the house hockey. And, and I think it was just seem, at least for me, it felt like as long as you put in the time, you could get a little better every time. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it is that skating thing. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. It's a crazy feeling. And now I have a stick and a puck and now we're playing games. And, and I just got hooked on that. And I was, I was kind of that kid for all sports. I love football and baseball. So it wasn't necessarily hockey that stood out as being that much better. It was just part of doing something that was really fun. And I was obsessed with the North Stars and the college team, the Gophers that are here. So it was something you know, we watched a lot and played a lot. And, you know, in the winter that we have up here, there's not a lot of options. And we weren't uh, the kind of family that was going to go on ski trips. And we weren't into ice fishing. So it kind of starts limiting the activities. <laughs> and, and there was rinks everywhere and my friends skated and we played. And if your friends couldn't skate, we played boot hockey or street hockey. And it was just kind of something that you did all through the winter. Yeah. Yeah. You guys like, I mean, when our wives were in med school, they, there was like a big group of Minnesota people and every yeah. single one of you guys were like, no dude, Minnesota is like the absolute best place on earth. And it was, and our, we were always like, well, what about the winners? And the, everyone was like, the winners are the best. What are you talking about? 
And I have now growing up in it, I believe that as I've gotten older and softer and spent two years in Southern California, I have my, my worldviews changed a little bit, but um, no, it was, it was a great place to grow up. We didn't think much of it. I, it, I think much more of it now. And that's why it's kind of nice to have kids. Cause I'm kind of seeing them yeah. seeing, you know, through their eyes, like the stuff that I experienced, like sledding is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you can do that just about anywhere. And, you know, going to the play hockey on the rink is really fun. They, you know, one of my, uh, my oldest had a birthday party last week where they just went and skated on their pond and played pickup hockey. That's awesome. And it was, you know, a blast. So it is a, it is a great, you know, I learned that too when I lived in Southern California, it was like, there's two types of people that in LA anyways. And so that's a big variety of a lot of different people from different backgrounds. And they either know Minnesota and love it or think it's in Canada. They don't even think it's part of like, they think it's winter year round, they're shocked when I'm like, well, no, we have, you know, nice restaurants and, you know, professional sports franchise and museums. And they're just like, really? Like, you know, it's like, you know, you take a sled dog to school and stuff like that. But no, it is, it is a great place um, for that. I mean, it's a great place to raise a family for sure and have kids. Uh, yeah. It was minus 24 when I took my kids to school this morning. Uh-huh. Not so good. Not That's not that's, so good. Yeah. And now I find like, I get cold, you know, it's that age thing where now I feel I get cold at whatever, you know, at a practice at five o'clock and I'm cold throughout the night. Like I can't warm up. So that stuff, I'm like, okay, now I get the part where you retire and spend summers here and then go to Arizona or California or wherever, but it is a good place to grow up. And um, it is fun now to see my kids kind of having the experiences. My, you know, I've got two boys and I had a brother. So kind of doing the same stuff that we did growing up is kind of cool. And they they love it. You know, they, you know, we see snow sometimes like, oh boy, the commute's going to be rough or this or that. And they're just like, snowball fight, build a it fort, go sledding. Best. Yeah. Yeah. They love it. You know, and they, you know, like tonight it's going to be below zero wind chill. And they have, they're doing, um, they're going skiing, but the younger, well, the older one just go ski. The other one's in a class that starts tonight. He's just like, let's go. Like, I don't need to wear a face mask. I'm good. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it is a good place and I'm glad to be back here, but I, yeah. I've, uh, like I said, I've enjoyed other parts of the country. I love, yeah. I love, I love Southern California. I'd love, I love Colorado. So yeah. I could go just about anywhere, but now you realize now that the kids are kind of established and they have their friends and now my oldest is in fourth grade. It's like, well, we're kind of here now. Yeah. You're, you've established the roots yeah. for sure. What, yeah. um, when you, so you eventually made it to the gophers, which I had to say this, and I told my dad this last night. I was like, oh, it, it pains me as an Iowa Hawkeye, but I'm going to say this because I saw a kid walking around with a Gophers jersey. I'm like, the Gopher hockey jersey are the coolest. They're like some of the coolest hockey jerseys of all hockey. Like, I kind of want one, but I'm a Hawkeye. I don't know. And I know the yeah. Hawkeye, they don't really have like a, like a team, like a hockey team necessarily. So I feel like I could pull that off. Yeah, well, that's uh, I think you could. I think you could. Um, and yeah, they do have. I, I will say, uh, I'm biased, obviously, but they do, they do have a good uniform. I, I agree with you on that. And it's it is funny though, because here, back kind of when I was growing up, they were that was when they were in the WCHA. We don't have to get into the weeds of college hockey, but there's Duluth, Mankato joined, then there's Wisconsin and North Dakota, and there were such big rivalries, and everyone hated. And the Gophers kind of seemed like. We got everything because the guy that was Mr. Hockey in Minnesota would come there. We had this huge arena that was new and kind of state of the art. We're in a major city. So everyone hated us so much that it was um, (laughs) everyone that's not a Gopher fan has a lot of hate for the Gophers, which made it fun because every game was usually when we're on the road was packed and the the crowds were hostile to say the least. And it was a really fun environment to play in. And I mean, well, at that time, 
I was of the last era where it was all Minnesota kids. So the previous, the coach that I came in under was all Minnesota. So we were kind of us against the world. Then my senior year was a coaching change. We were still all Minnesota, but then he started recruiting kids from all over the place. Gotcha. And, and that's, and that probably had to happen. I thought it was kind of a cool thing, but we had a couple down years, which changes everyone's perspective. When you, you know, when you're winning, it's easy to say we're all Minnesota. When you start losing, it changes. <laughs> and it, the game's changed so much now where the kids of are, it's just not as community based. Kids are leaving their house. At, I'm going to Amber alert, sorry, um, at 16 and going to, you know, going to Iowa to play or maybe, yeah. and, and they know more, you know, because of the internet and everything else, they know of schools all of it and look them up. No problem. Yeah. I've got friends that grew up in Canada who said like, I didn't, I knew I wanted to go to play us college hockey. He's like, but it was all the same to me. How Michigan was the same as Minneapolis was the same as grand forks. It just, any place that would give me money for my education, I'd go to, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Now they all know and they've been here and they've come down. So the game has changed quite a bit. It's kind of unfortunate for Minnesota and that now there's a big 10 in hockey and that took away some of those natural rivalries with Duluth and Mankato and St. Cloud's a smaller school that has a great yeah. hockey program. They're one of yeah. the top five in the country right now. Um, and those were such big games all the time. Now when Minnesota plays Penn state, it's like, meh, or Minnesota yeah. plays whoever. And I took, Pre-pandemic, I took my son. So I've been, he was a second grader. She was old enough, and my nephew was fourth grade at the time, down to a game at Mariucci where the Gophers play. And there was like 3,000 people there, so maybe a third full. And it was, I felt like the guy, like back in my day, you know, this place was packed, 10,000 people, they're standing room only. And they're kind of looking at me like, all right, old man, sounds good. I mean, they still enjoyed the game, but it's just the wild has taken some of that fan base and just the loss of those rivalries has really hurt the program yeah. from a tennis standpoint. So it's, it's very different. Yeah. Do you go back and like, I don't know, do you go back and still know people involved in the program at all? Like, is that, is that kind of cool? Yeah, it's great. And that's what is neat about it is that there's so many uh, people around to stay around. And now, you know, yeah. as the years go by, there's some of the front office people have moved on and stuff <laughs> like that. But anytime I go down to a game, there's definitely people you're running into former teammates or guys, you know, and it's, and it feels so weird because there's an event, the coach that I played for Doug Wood was kind of a, it was a hockey legend here. It was an all American in Minnesota coach forever here. Uh, he passed away just before the pandemic. And at his funeral, there, a lot of guys got back together and that was like, I want to say late February of 2020 yeah. now. Saw a bunch of people I hadn't seen forever. And you kind of get that. We got to get together. And, you know, uh, as you know, you have three kids. Everyone's got two or three kids. Everyone's coaching their kid. It's hard, you know, <laughs> but you see everybody. It's always, and that's a bummer. It's like, oh, we got to do this when it's for a game to get back together. And they had just broken ground, actually, on an alumni room in the arena. So now when you come to a game, there's a place for the alumni to go and hang out. Well, oh, the cool. world world changed and no one's been to a game since. Oh. I mean, I guess this year now they're starting to let people in. Yeah. But, that's um, a really good idea though. That's a cool, yeah, I want, I mean, I'm sure a lot of programs do that for alumni maybe, but that's awesome. Yeah. It's a pretty cool thing. And it's, and we were, they were a little behind because some of them, I think they got the idea from some, well, they built a new football stadium on campus. They did that. Mm -hmm. They put a big room in like for that. It was a big success. So they kind of figured out a way to do it at the hockey rink. So that'll be something really cool to have when we kind of get back to normal here a little bit more. Yeah, dude, dude, that's so cool. So, um, I remember a few months ago, Lindsay and I reached out and I want to talk to you about two movies today, Nate. Okay. And I think you can predict one. I have a feeling. 
Yeah, the second one is going to let you down because I, I think I know what you're going to ask me. And I can't remember the name of it, but I, I don't know how I got that on my IMDb or whatever it is. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, not. No, this one is is probably the greatest uh, hockey documentary I've ever seen in my life. Oh, okay. we, were, yeah. we were texting yes. Olivia about it. Um, okay. So I want to hear about this untold. And you have nothing to do with this movie beyond just like knowing people involved. But yes. untold crimes and penalties. Tell me a little bit about this documentary because Lindsay and I watched and the whole time I'm like, this is the best group of characters I've ever seen in a, like no one would believe this happened. It is. Yeah, it was great. It was funny. Cause I think we watched it like the night before, like it was really close. Whenever no you way, watched really? It, yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those classics where I flipped it on. I'm like, Ooh, I gotta watch this. And Libby's like, I don't want to watch this. And, and within like five yeah. minutes, she's like, Whoa. And I'm like, Whoa. That's Dave Heimovitz. I played with him in Lowell. Whoa, that's Jeff Dodd. I played with him in Manchester. And uh, the two brothers, the Omicellis, who had a lot of airtime. I played with yeah. Mike for a little while when I was in the minors. So, and a lot of the guys, Nadur, I played against in the minors. And so I knew a ton of these guys. And I was, I just got out of hockey, excuse me, I just got out of hockey when that team kind of formed. Yeah. And that was a, a level lower than the league I, I was playing in the year before. But I knew a lot of those guys. And I mean, I'd heard rumors about this team, but that was kind of it. I kind of forgot about it. And then all of a sudden that documentary came on. I was like, oh my God, this is madness. Yeah. The essential, essentially the premise is like this mafia, this guy with mafia ties. Yeah. Buys a hockey team, but lets his like 17 year old son manage it. Who's like his 17 year old son's like obsessed with like WWE and WW like pro wrestling. And he, He's basically his strategy is like, we're just going to get goons and and then we're also going to pay everybody under the table. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I guess, and I've talked to a lot of guys about since who were still playing at that time. And there was like this rumor of like this team where you could make crazy money. Because at that level, you're probably, and I'm guessing here, so this isn't like I know exactly, but I would assume it's probably about 20 grand a year they were making back yeah. then to play at that level, maybe 15. And there was this rumor where you could make, you know, 75 grand a year playing in the U-Haul. It was known back then in the United Hockey League. And so that was unheard of money in the U-Haul. And, but it's like, but you gotta, like, you either gotta score or fight. There's no in between. They're not looking for, you know, and some of those guys that I knew were really good skilled hockey players. So they fell into that category, but yeah. it was, it was nuts too. Cause that kid, at least how I went through the documentary of, okay, this is this spoiled kid. He gets hurt playing hockey. His dad buys him a team. He's a complete meathead. All he cares about is wrestling and, you know, hockey. And like literally, like, can... literally, because my buddy lives by my buddy, Chris, is from Connecticut and he's from okay. really close to that town. And that's where like pro wrestling is like located, like their headquarters. Yeah. So literally right. this this kid's birthday, it shows like an ele- like he's like 11 at his birthday party. And there's like the rock. And you're like, what? His dad like hired these guys to come over. It's wild. It was you nuts. Know? Yeah, his birthday party was the craziest thing ever <laughs> for an 11 year old or whatever it was. And so I'm just thinking, this kid's gonna be the worst human on earth. And by the end, he's yeah. kind of enduring. Like he's he seems like a really sweet guy and like yeah, <laughs> kind of like grounded and a little bit like I can't believe that happened, but yet really proud of it. And they had that. And it was kind of a touching story about the kind of that network of. I mean, not just the players were characters, but kind of the people that followed them were maybe even yes. bigger characters. Yeah. And I mean, 
I don't want to say the fringes of society, but they were unique individuals that came together to love of this team. There was a complete gong show as far as hockey goes. I mean, it was madness. And so it was, it, it was not, I, I still am like, I can't believe that happened, but I kind of can believe it happened. And, uh, but a, a really well done doc. And, but just, man, what a collection. And, and it was kind of fun knowing like, oh yeah, I know that guy. That's wild that because yeah, I don't know why Lindsay texted Libby. She's like, ask Nate about this documentary. Um, but man, it's it's hard to even explain, except there's like the like 12, there's like any documentary would be lucky to get like one of these characters. Yes, you get like 12 of them, and you're like, Yeah, this is cr-. like the the um equipment manager. Yes, <laughs> yes, my favorite. I was like, multiple times I turned to Lindsay, I'm like he might be my favorite human being on earth after this documentary. Cause he is unbelievable. <laughs> that that's amazing. You say, cause I completely forgot about that guy as we're just talking about this. And he is uh, like, if he was in a movie, you wouldn't believe him. No. And this is real life. Like this guy in real life. Yeah. He was incredible. Well, everyone, I mean, yeah, every guy was, and it's just, and there is that fun. The, part of that minor league culture. There is a lot of interesting individuals. And then you think about people that, work for these minor league teams it's obviously not highly glamorous it might kind of be okay in those cities but there's just a certain personality it draws and yeah there's a lot of that throughout that i remember experiencing and it's but it all like collided into one spot for that team where they just oh, got yeah. the biggest characters and some of the biggest goons and and like that mike rupp was a legit nhl player who's like yeah i'll come down there and play for this much money like <laughs> sure like like that doesn't happen in that league like that like it's unheard of like that just doesn't happen where else i'm like oh yeah legit nhl guy who just won a stanley cup well sure <laughs> happens to be a lockout and we can pay you x number of dollars I and mean, that's just crazy stuff that is it's wild man it's it was beyond enjoyable so that was untold crimes and punishments i'm pretty sure i'm trying to remember when i was growing up they opened a team in moline illinois and it was by my house and my dad would volunteer there so we'd get free tickets and it yeah. was the Quad City Mallards. I think yep. they're in the same league. I think that yep. was like one big league there. Yep. And the stories my dad would tell me from like, he would be the guy opening and closing the penalty box. That was yeah. his favorite job. And he's like, the stories you get from opening and closing the penalty box. It's so much fun. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, Quad City. Howard Cornfield, I believe, is the owner of that team. And um, I knew some guys that played down there. It was actually in that league. It was considered a really good spot to play. Yeah. But back then, too kind of the way it went was the NHL was considered the safest hockey league on earth because everyone knew what they were doing. They were making a nice living. No one wanted to hurt anybody except for the fighters who are going to fight, you know, and then there's collateral damage. They go to the American hockey league, which I was playing in. And that was considered, you know, guys are prospects. They're playing for something. They got something to lose. Some guys are going up and down from the NHL and the American league. Some guys are first round draft picks or just getting experience. But again, some craziness, but generally, they're, you're there to play hockey. Again, they're still fighting. Then you drop down to kind of the East Coast League, it was called, and the U-Haul. Then all bets are off. It's yeah. just these guys, once in a while, guys would make it out of there and make their way to the NHL. But generally, they're doing the one job they can do where they, I mean, they can play hockey and make money. And that's usually probably, again, 20 grand. Maybe you get free beers at a bar, free haircuts over here. And But the fighting was out of control. Like, it was crazy. Now, Dan Murray took that to the extreme yeah. but look, my friends that played in that league were just like it i mean it was kind of dangerous well it was very dangerous i mean you had guys that had nothing to lose yeah and 
they were going to punch you if they felt like punching you and they didn't care who you were or what the consequences were. Yeah. But even with all that, the documentary ends the, the crazy twist of the whole documentary is that it ends so like positive on an upbeat note. And yeah. I was like, I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> yeah. And there's a camaraderie too, to that, you know, that those guys have that even, and that's, yeah. you know, it, it sounds cliche, but it's definitely what I miss too is, yeah. you know, hanging out with the guys. Obviously yeah, it's a, dude great to you know make money to play a sport is crazy even though it's not life-changing money it's you know get by through the year and you know hopefully make it to the next season but that camaraderie and hanging out the inside jokes and the fun of being with guys that are you know kind of from all over you know you have american guys canadian guys european guys russian guys everything but you all kind of come together as a team and you find you you know there might be two guys on the team you know don't like each other they might have a real problem but when the puck drops and someone cheap shots that guy, that guy's got the first guy that has his back and it's, yeah. you know, unconditional, no questions asked. And it's just, so that, that it really is the part. I thought that was, as you just mentioned, kind of the cool thing of that documentary pulled out where they, these guys really cared for each other. Yeah. As crazy as it all was. <laughs> um, dude. So I also, I wanted to ask, and I watched it this morning. I told Lindsay, I was like one, okay. I have to say this miracle. You were in miracle. Um, and I, we, me and my friend did a podcast, me and a couple of buddies, and we did the ultimate guide to sports movies. Okay. Miracle was my choice. It was my vote. I'm like, it's the best one. It's the best one. So so I watched it. I, this morning I was like, I'm going to watch like 15 minutes just to remind myself. And I sat down, I watched the whole thing on the bike this morning. And I was like, yeah, the bike ride. Because like, well, I, it was kind of in the middle of it on like Disney or whatever, but I was like, dude, this is the best sports. Like it just cemented it for me. So, um, I want to hear a little bit about that. Like, how did you, I remember you told me at one point how you got involved, like where you're just like, I'm just going to try out, like, this should be kind of fun. Like, how did, how did that happen? Um, yeah, good question. And, uh, you know, thanks for the high praise. Um, I enjoy it. I don't know where, I don't know where I'd rank it. It'd be there for me. I'm going to praise it one more time. One, it's because the actual sports action is super realistic. Like you're, you're looking at it and you're like, this doesn't look fake to me. It looks like how hockey actually is. And then two, just like Kurt Russell's performance as uh, Herb Brooks, like his performance as a coach, we've all, anyone who's played sports have had coaches before and he freaking nails it, dude. I'm like, he nails just a coach, which is so wild. Yeah, he was amazing. And I want to get back to that sports part. And I'll tie in, I guess. So yeah. <clears throat> I had played a few years in the minor leagues. I was with the Kings organization, as I kind of mentioned. And it was at the point where they had offered me a contract, but it wasn't a very good contract. At this point, I'm 26-ish. It's kind of looking like I'm going the wrong way. I wanted to keep playing, but I didn't want to go play for 20 grand and get my teeth knocked out. So I was trying to maybe go to Europe, maybe play over there for a year just for the experience, um, possibly, you know, stay in shape and get a deal with the American League team as, you know, guys get hurt or whatever. And around this time, and it's not a great feeling. It's kind of like, we're, you know, what am I going to do next kind of yeah. thing? You know, or hopefully the phone will ring. It might, it might not. Yeah. And my dad, of all people, said, <clears throat> I was talking to him and he saw an open casting call that they were doing for this movie. And I'm just like, what, how would you hear about this? Like, why would you hear about this? Like, okay. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I've heard Herb Brooks is going to, or Kurt Russell is going to play Herb Brooks. And it's, yeah. it's a Disney picture. And, you know, 
on and on. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I had to run to a few buddies that were in somewhat similar situations or guys I'd played with in college who were now all working. And they're kind of like, yeah, I might go try out. It might be kind of fun. And like the only criteria was you could skate essentially. And I thought, yeah, what the heck? I'm literally not doing anything else besides skating. So I'll go do it. And basically with the mindset of like, oh, you know, this will come out someday. And I'll say, hey, I went to an audition for that. And when I think the first thing we did was read lines, which is terrifying. We don't have an acting background of any kind. And you're asking, <laughs> that was you know, the first thing they had you guys do. It was like, you know, read some lines out of a scene. Like, you know, they, they said, <laughs> Hey, sit down, read this and do this. And I mean, you're sitting there by yourself and in this room with these, you know, casting agents locally here in Minneapolis. And um, so it's like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, but you know, I just kind of did what I asked. I'm like, well, tell me how to do this. And, Went through that. And the second part was a skating part, which I felt pretty good about. Again, not, uh, you know, not talking myself up, but now I played professional hockey. So I figured I could do okay <laughs> yeah. with that. Yeah. But then as I'm learning about this process, it's like, well, they did open calls in Montreal, Toronto, Boston, mm. New York, Minneapolis, LA, Vancouver. So I'm like, oh, well, there, I mean, okay, whatever. And got called back to another reading at this place. And went had a little more you know kind of knew like how to practice i don't even i don't think youtube was a thing yet i don't know if i read some stuff or what kind of figure like how do you youtube how to how, act <laughs> yeah right like how do you how to audition for a movie and went through that again had no clue how it went and um got a call and said well can you go to you know um it was la ontario california technically for another um audition and i was like yeah, because I don't have a job, so yeah, I can easily go to there. But I'm like, but what's the deal here? I mean, just wanted to ask, like, how much, how long does this go on for? Like, I'm kind of trying to pursue some other things, and obviously, I'm interested in doing this. But um, you know, I thought, like, well, we're gonna we're sending 40 people out there. We hope to cast like 12 to 15. I was like, oh, again, thinking well, like it'll be cool to say I flew to California to yeah. audition. I was like, but those odds are okay. Yeah, And that was a whole like four day thing where they're doing screen tests and on ice stuff and all this stuff. And I didn't have much of a thought about it leaving besides I had, a, I, I learned this on the flight home. So I got talking to the guy is, is a kid named Billy Schneider, whose dad is Bud Schneider. And I was like, well, I did a lot of stuff with him and I don't know anything about Hollywood or movies, but I got to believe he's got an inside edge to play his dad. <laughs> theoretically right I mean, yeah his dad was on the team he can skate very well and i was like that could be good and got the call that i was casted and it was um well super excited right away because i saw like there you know this is a real production they're doing stuff there you know it, it's gonna be serious and then i had that weird like moment of man i, I kind of grew up in this story and yeah. Like I have respect to those guys yeah. so much. Now, not only do I have to try to live up to that standard, but what if this is just some garbage movie? Like, I'd be so embarrassed to be like, and these guys, like, you know, I don't know what I thought would, you know, I don't know what, I, and this is like pre Twitter. I don't know if I was worried they're going to tweet at me or what, but I was like, man, what if that happens? And then, of course, I get a call from a team in England that's looking for a player. So now I'm at this weird decision time of like, well, I go, if I do this movie, the hockey's over forever. But if I go play in Europe, I might be there for two weeks and get cut. And then I pass up on this amazing yeah. experience of making a movie. Obviously, I chose to make the movie. And it was um, just a tremendous experience. From It was shot in Vancouver, which was amazing. 
um, beautiful place. And they did it like early on. He's like, oh, they're doing this right. Like they want the hockey. They, they got guys that could skate. All the other teams were basically cast from local. I mean, every guy in Vancouver could skate. You know, a lot of ex <laughs> you know, junior players, ex pro players. And you could tell the way they were shooting. I and mean, they literally, we got there a month ago and they went through play by play of every, you know, what they considered important plays. Obviously the Russia game being the biggest one, but the Sweden game to start it off and everything was broken down into these segments where we'd walk through it first on dry land. And then we finally got, you know, before we even started cameras, we went on the ice and you'd break every play down into like five second intervals and then break into 10 seconds then 15 seconds. Then they put cameras in where they're going to shoot it. And actually the, the a camera crew was the people that did Braveheart. So they were very adept at shooting action sequences and the, it was painstaking, but it was also like, Oh, they're going to make this look good. And that was, you know, the director was Gavin O'Connor was a great director yeah. and still active. Um, he said, he's like, Hey, you know, when I look at this story, I think of what really happened and it's, it was great hockey. They beat the best team in the world. I need to have the hockey look great or this yeah. won't work. Yeah. And he's like, you know, number two, everyone knows how it ends. So we got to make it, <laughs> we got to make it really compelling. And the best way to do that is great action, great hockey. And so that part was really cool and how they did that. It did turn out really well. Like it's, um, it, like I said, it was a it was a long shoot. I think it was scheduled to be five months, which in that world, dang. And it ended up being I think six and a half. Jeez, they went over quite a bit. So it was, um, and I believe they shot two million feet of film, and basically it's ten thousand into an hour, so it's about two hours. So about twenty thousand feet was used for the movie, and they shot over two million feet. <laughs> so that's an incredible amount of editing, an incredible amount of shooting, and just a wild number to do. But um, yeah, I definitely was. And then you get done, and you don't know what's going to be in and what's going to be out. Kind yeah. Of thing. You know, yeah. I mean, I figured, you know, I'd be able to say, oh, there I am. But you don't know if any of the lines you have make it in. There was a whole discotheque scene, which was really fun to shoot because they basically brought in a ton of extras, which Vancouver's probably number two to LA for acting in North America. Yeah. So there's a lot of young men and women that um, want to be part of, you know, an extra scene. So they packed this nightclub there and it was an all night shoot. So, you know, we'd start at like 2 a.m. and pack it. I had a ton of lines in it because like we're sitting around kind of making fun of the coach and joking around. But we did that for two or three nights on end, shooting from like 2 to 10 a.m. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's going to be so cool to see how it turned out. And it was and when you do the scenes, you'd have to, they, there are all these people sitting around, you're drinking a fake beer, and then you kind of got to yell your line because, you know, you're talking over music, they're going to layer in later. Yeah. So, huge nightclub packed, this and that, and all of a sudden it stops, and I'm yelling, hey, how about, and you got to like, yell and talk night after night. Not one second made it into the movie. Not <laughs> one second. That scene was just completely gone. Like, that one, I was like, well, we did all the time. And then, towards the end, like, we're getting, like, last week of shooting, I show up one day, in my um in my trailer and there's just a no joke a oh my youngest child just got home hey, and it's perfect man this is um, exactly this is what happens on this podcast yeah this you came <laughs> on guns of blazing but i had a, a, a flesh-colored speedo in my trailer i'm like what's going on here and it was and I'll, <laughs> one guy that remain that all is i'll uh, not mention his name is just like i'm not doing it i'm out so I was like, oh, what do I got to lose? I'm this far. So we went, it was a shower scene, which actually makes it kind of into the montage aspect. We're in the shower, we're all beat down, and then later we're joking around. Yeah. We're on a sound stage. So you got everyone there. Um, water, freezing cold, just <laughs> there's no drainage, just piling up. 
doing this kind of impromptu scene for like a couple days on end, just in a flesh colored speedo. <laughs> so it was, um, and then I never heard that up. story from you, dude. That's uh, a friend beautiful. of mine saw the movie first because he was kind of involved in media. So he was able to see a cut and he's like, Hey, nice shower scene. And I was like, huh? And he's like, yeah, there's like, you're, you're in the shower. And I'm like, and my mind was like, we're joking. I'm like, wait a second. How would he possibly know that? Like he, it had to make it. I'm like, oh my god, that made it in the movie because again, it was like this weird add-on, last end of the day thing. So you just never know. I mean, the yeah. disco scene, I thought, you know, looked pretty cool. The disco scene that yeah. doesn't make it. Shower scene <laughs> makes it. Dude, were you guys since you had to like do all the practicing and practice? Like that's what I was wondering. And the plays looked legit, so that's really cool that that they picked yeah. out like whatever fifty specific ones. Did you guys like? kind of did it feel like you were on a hockey team like by the end where it's like whoa we didn't really technically play anybody for real but it feels like they, they're your teammates 100 percent. and i mean that's not in any way comparing us to the um, actual team um they did all the work they get all the credit but it was a fun <laughs> experience because it was basically guys from all over that didn't know each other that got thrown together um a few had acting background the guy played jim craig eddie cahill he was an actor that, you know, he he knew how to skate and then they had to double him a little bit for some of the hard stuff. But um, and a few other guys that had done some acting. But for the most part, we all kind of knew, like, we were brought together by hockey. This is a one-time deal. Like, yeah. you know, even the craziest dreamer, I don't think that, yeah, this will launch my, you know, acting career. This is what I'll do the rest of my life. So it was um, a real neat experience. It was that weird, like, feeling each other out and kind of learning the different personalities and at first it's kind of clicks and those kind of go away and like by the end we're all going out together and the funny thing was is a lot of those guys I was on the older end I think I, I think I turned 27 when I was up there but I've been through college and done all that stuff well now we had a bunch of those guys were like the 1920 age and they're living in Vancouver they're getting paid well they get handed a stack of per diem every week and the drinking age is 19. <laughs> so they're going out like every night and at this point you know these days of shooting are 12 13 14 hours so i'm just old enough to know like you know i can't be going out all night and you know performing or working the next day these guys had no reservations about it <laughs> and there's a few scenes if you watch the movies a few of the guys like oh yeah he's he was hung over and he looks hung over if you know him, like you're like oh yeah so these guys went nuts i mean in vancouver yeah. is an amazing town it's beautiful there's it's just and they love hockey and the movie industry. So these guys were, you know, quasi royalty. And, uh, but by the end, like we're all kind of going out together, we go with like all the Russian team guys. And so it got to be a really fun experience. And it was kind of, it was over. And it's like, wow, that was like, that was seven and 10, almost seven, eight months. Cause we were up there before we started shooting. And it's like, I'm going to miss these guys. And yeah. you know, it's that same thing. Like, Hey, next year we're all getting together. Okay. Yeah. Five years. We're all going to get together. Then you get busy. And then you, and you do the premiere, which was amazing. That's a whole nother story, but it was awesome. We see everyone again, like, you know, how long? About eight months later, and everyone's together in LA now at this incredible theater and going to this incredible party. And then it just life happens, and, you know, some tragedies happen along the way. We've lost a few of the guys that were there, and, um, you know, people just, you know, everyone lives somewhere else and you have kids. And now, um, and I keep in touch with Eddie Cahill, the goalie, and a couple of the other guys, but haven't seen – I saw Eddie because he lives out in L.A. still, but so I'd seen yeah. him when I lived out there, but now I haven't seen him in three years. And a lot of the guys I haven't seen since that premiere, which is now 
crazily 17 years ago. Dude, they're going to have to do like a 20 year reunion or something. I would, I would like to think so. I would like yeah. to think so. Cause there was again, a lot of, a lot of interesting personalities and a lot of, um, a lot of fun. And again, I think we all kind of had that mentality of let's really enjoy this because it's probably going to happen. And I think, I mean, outside of Eddie, who was already an actor, I don't, you know, a few guys moved out there and gave it a shot, but I don't, you know, it didn't really work out for anyone, unfortunately, but uh, it was still lucky to be, I mean, there's people still, that devote their life that don't be part of something like yeah, that. Yeah. So what a, like, what a cool experience. I, as I was watching it, I think I was telling you before we started recording Kurt Russell, like he just, I don't know. You we've all had coaches. Here's what I think he nailed in the movie after watching this morning. I'm like, you, we all have coaches where they're a little bit like their methods are outside the norm a bit and they're quirky and their sayings are weird and all that. But as the player, you're all, you like buy in, you know? And I think you see that in the movie, like all the players buy in, they're like, they can make fun of him, poke fun of him, but they like all respect him. Um, but then I think what he shows, he shows that aspect, which is super cool. Like when he's around the players, but then he, uh, has the aspect of like, he has the moments by himself or with his wife and you see like, Oh, like he's not a hundred percent sure is what he's doing is correct. And that's like from being a, like having coached before you totally have that all the time. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, but he nailed it, dude. Yeah, he was incredible. And it was and it was kind of neat because Herb was Brooks was up there um, at the beginning when we first started shooting. Yeah. And I knew him a little bit through the goal for hockey connection and stuff, but not what you know, not like well, but you know, he was really into it. It's funny, he's I don't want to call him a controversial figure because he's a legend here. I mean, he really is. And but he was known to do things his way and he'd ruffle some feathers along the way. Um, and that that they portrayed in the movie, that was no joke. Like he identified like, okay these guys and these guys aren't going to get along. I have to become the common enemy that brings them yeah. all together. Yeah. And you know, most guys, I mean, there a lot, I've gotten to know a lot of those guys now since that, a lot of them are all at the premiere and they all said, Oh yeah, he, he was as tough as you could be on us. Like a lot of those guys, like we, we just assumed he hated us. Like that was kind of the mold. Cause they're, you know, 19, 20 year old kids, you don't know, put it, you know, and you know, in that perspective that he had, yeah. but he kind of knew like, this is the one way we can do this and I have to do it this way, whether they like it or not. Yeah. And and Kurt Russell really got that. And it was kind of cool because he did um, really down-to-earth, laid-back guy. But he did a little bit of the method thing where he kind of stayed away from us for a lot of it. And then towards the end, he really Because that's – his character does that in the movie too, though. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep, yeah. 100%. And and he did that a little bit. and then uh, But he took it. It was so crazy to see him because he's such a laid-back guy. And, and it was funny because <laughs> a lot of the crew members, people that have done it forever – um, or like, well, you're, you know, for your first movie, you're pretty lucky to work with him because he's as easy as they come. There's no like, yeah. but you'd see him, he'd be joking around. And then all of a sudden he just, you know, action and he just turned into a different person. Like he was that good. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, like this is a different <laughs> level of acting. And he kind of got it. Like from everything I knew, I knew probably more than most or the Minnesota guys did just because again, we kind of grew up with the story, but it was pretty incredible to see him turn that and kind of get like what Herb Brooks was all about. So yeah. it was a, pretty amazing performance. And the, and again, her Brooks, the person was a very East side, St. Paul was a very blue collar part of the state. Very proud of that, but he was super into this movie. Like he was really into it. And I was actually, I was at a wedding the summer after we shot it. And um, his son was at the same wedding who I've gotten to know. And he's like, I just can't like, I never thought my dad would be this into it. Like he's so pumped to see it. 
like he's you know he is so excited and like he loves Kurt Russell and he's can't wait. He's like if you'd asked me five years ago if my dad would want a movie made, he'd say absolutely not. But he is so jacked for this. And the next week he passed away in a car accident, which is just God. so crazy and so yeah. sad on so many levels. But yeah. it was just amazing that he was himself excited to see Kurt Russell portray him. Yeah, dude, I I might have teared up at that like at the very end of the movie where it said yeah. that he died before they showed it. And then it yeah. adds, and then it just, it adds in the next part, which said he didn't see the movie and then it adds it in. He lived it. And I was like, God, yeah. oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty incredible finish. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you wish it did go that way, no, but they of course kind not. of moralized him really well with that. <clears throat> yeah, they did. That. Dude, they did. Did you ever meet, uh, so you played John Baugh Harrington. Did yes. You ever, like, did you meet him? And was that, was that weird? Are you like, Hey man, I'm you. <laughs> Uh, you know what I did? So I knew him a little bit. He coached at St. John's, which is a small school division. Oh, three. dude. Oh, this, man. This we was... played them in rugby. Okay. And this this lady who was like a fan of them would just nonstop the whole game was like, go, Johnny's, go, yeah. Johnny's. And then they I think they beat us. And I was I was like, come on, lady, stop. Just stop cheering them on. <laughs> yeah. Well, in and, and St. John's is one of those schools where if you meet somebody that went there, you know, they'll let you know that within the first five minutes, you know, there's a few schools like that, like Harvard or Michigan or Notre uh, Dame. St. John's like a small Midwest version of that. <laughs> but uh, he coached their hockey team up there for years. Okay. And so he had recruited me a little bit out of high school. So I knew him a bit and I was like, well, I'm gonna go play juniors. You know, I'm hoping to play D one, but we always had kind of had that relationship where we knew of each other. And then when the movie's being made, his son was playing for the university of Minnesota. So I, saw, I actually read that because I did a little yeah. bit of research and I was like, oh, I wonder if Nate. So you never played with him? Uh, no, I was too old. I was a little bit older than him. So I'd never played with him, but um, got to know him a little bit. And uh, amazingly, this is the small world. I was going to try to grab a picture, but it would be too tricky for me right now. But so Chris Harrington now lives in Plymouth, really close to where I do. And our my middle kid, his oldest kid, are the same age and we coached together we coached our hockey team no way really and just before christmas we had a practice his dad came up yeah and came out on the ice with us so we had so the guy that won the medals there the guy that played him in the movies there and then um he brought the gold medal with and so afterwards in the Whoa. locker room i know a picture with oscar wearing the olympic medal and me and the real john harrington in the picture what? and that just happened like three weeks ago which was just awesome so it's pretty cool that's crazy man what a what a that, i mean i think that's super cool and i think that was part of like obviously like probably why you played him is because of the minnesota connection yep you know? yep what um, i say I, you know it's not that much of an acting stretch to play a minnesota who grew up playing hockey in minnesota <laughs> but you know. You know, whatever you nailed yeah. it. You nailed it. Yeah. dude. Um, I remember. So last kind of story to wrap up. I'm pretty sure you told me this. And if it's, if, if it's, if I'm misremembering and I apologize, I was like, Nate, do you ever like get anything like unexpected? Like people recognized you from the movie and stuff. And you're like, let me tell you about this time in Quiznos. It was, yes, that's sort of accurate, but subway. But yeah. Oh, Subway. Okay. I wish it was Quiznos. I, I thought it was Quiznos. I was like, that's Quiznos. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been, yes, two two times. Once was a girl at Subway and it was so unexpected. And she just like stared at me and stared. She's like, you're John Harrington. I was like, huh? <laughs> wow. 
And yeah, and you know, rewarded me by giving me like triple meat that is not was not what I requested. I'm sure she thought she was being super nice, but and I'm not here to go on a rant against Subway. I've had my fair share of Subway in my life, but the the, the regular serving of meat is plenty. You don't need any more of that meat in your system. So I took a bite of it. I'm just like, wow, this is weird. I looked, and I'm like, oh, I'm sure she thought I'm gonna give old Ba Harrington here some extra meat on his sub. Which I'm trying to be kind of a negative, but very sweet gesture. She's she's over there nodding at you, like, yeah. yes, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then um, I had one other time in a liquor store. Uh, I was going over to Buddy's house, like, watch Monday Night Football or something. I stopped and grabbed a six-pack. And it was a pretty big store, too. And this is, you know, 7 p.m. on a Monday night or whatever. And I walk in, and the guy instantly is, like, from a bit of a distance, he's like, John Harrington, all right. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? And then he's like doing the play by play and like, Oh, Harrington's looking at the vodka bottle. Oh, nope, nope. Going to the cooler. Looks like, Oh, grab the six pack. All right. John Harrington have a six pack tonight. I'm just like, what is going on right now? And, and there was no discount offered, but you know, very nice guy, very good intended. But so my two big brushes of fame is extra meat at Subway and a guy doing a play by play of me picking out a six pack of beer. That's so, genius, dude. Those are, I mean, yeah. those are genius play by plays. Yeah, I know Lindsay so- and I, Lindsay and I still every once in a while we get confused for like a brief second and we're like, did did Nate beat the Russians? And we're like, no, 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 no it's the movie. It's the movie. He was in the yeah, movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what you get careful. Two people say that once in a while. Well, no, I didn't really beat anybody. But and one the other thing that's kind of funny that I've learned now with my kids' age, it happened last summer, was we've had the miracle on every once in a while. Libby like, oh, you, you know, kids don't watch the miracle, and you know, it's not animated, they have no interest. So yeah. never, never, never. And then we we're going to like a summer hockey game and I had to give a friend a ride and one of my son's friends a ride and he hops in the car and just starts hitting me with miracle questions. Like, you know, and he's a goalie. So he's just like, you know, what was Jim Craig like? Like, what was this? Who the backup goalie? What was his story? And, and just question after question. And I see my son kind of start like kind of perking up, like, wait a second. Yeah. And then pretty soon he's like, no, this is, I'm like, whoa, 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 you've never even seen the movie. You know, Fowler here has actually watched it. He's done his research. Like, you don't get to chime in. And then it was like a day later, sheepishly, he's like, can I watch that movie you were in kind of thing? So I think they now have both made it through the whole thing, but not repeatedly. Where all his buddies, like, no joke as addressing his team um, when they first assembled the score team. Yeah. And as a coach, trying to get to know the kids, like, hey, you know, how old are you? What school do you go to? What's your favorite movie? Who's your favorite athlete? And one of the kids who I didn't know yet, you know, goes around. I was like, favorite movie is Miracle. And like the guy coach was like, whoa, this guy's trying to get extra power play time. And he's like, what, huh? What did I say something he, wrong? He no, didn't no, even no, realize. No. We'll, we'll tell you later. Yeah. That's so it's kind hilarious. of fun, that kind of stuff. That it is so kind of entrenched in the hockey world. It's, I mean, it makes sense. It just feels weird to be part of something like that. Yeah, dude, for sure. It's, I mean, it so holds up though. Like after it, watching it, like I said, I was going to watch 15 minutes. And then I was like, it, never mind. I'm watching the whole thing. Yeah, they, it really did turn out great, which, I mean, that's, you know, and I was a very, 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 very small part. I was easily replaceable, but he did, they did such a great job putting it together. And, I mean, Kurt Russell is just so unbelievable, and the way they shot it and everything was yeah. really well done. And like I said, it's um, they shot a lot of stuff, and I'm always like, how do you put that together? And then to do it in a way that is so, like, the pace of it's so good and, like, the way it kind of builds, and it was really cool how they did it. I mean, I, so we're working on, uh, me and some, some friends are working on a film right now and the editor dude, I'm like, the editor is so unbelievably like key in actually like writing the movie. 
you know, because yeah. like without a good, without a good editor, like an editor could make the story appear however they want it to. Hundred percent. Yep. Crazy dude, it's so crazy. Yeah. But, anyways, Nate, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, dude. This was fun. I know Lindsay and I keep threatening to come to Minneapolis at some point, and I know Lindsay's gone a couple times to see see some friends and see. Yeah. You maybe in stuff well but. we're here in entrenched so you're welcome here anytime also i'll say this all the all the ladies from med school keep getting together i think the husbands from med school we need to i mean the husbands who didn't go to med school <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah make that very clear i definitely did not go to med school <laughs> but all of us should get together sometime yeah that'd be fun. great yeah, we have kind of scattered so it would be fun to kind of end up in this one is, we're doing place. the thing though we're doing the thing that you already talked about exactly exactly it <laughs> happens and then they'll say we'll do okay in five years you five know, years timeline yeah five years we got this we got yeah. this but right. thanks for well, coming anytime on anytime you want to talk hockey you know how to find i'm in man that wraps up this week's episode um thank you so much to nate for coming on the show uh if you're out there and you haven't seen the two movies we talked about which uh, the crimes and penalties, the untold crimes and penalties on Netflix, that movie, dude, that it is, it is fascinating, you know, like you just gotta, it's almost indescribable. I think I, at times I was like, Nate and I probably just were tongue tied because you're just like kind of blown away by how bonkers and insane it is. Uh, And it's just a fascinating, fascinating tale with twists and turns along the way and these wild characters. Um, But if you haven't seen Miracle, I rewatched it before talking with him and it holds up. It is so good. It is my favorite sports movie ever. Um, And it is it's just awesome. I don't know how else to describe it. Or, you know, there are documentaries, too, about the 1980s team and the win and all that stuff. So, um you know, if you want to get back into like a really great sports moment in history, like the the biggest underdogs taking on like the best team in sports. And I love the speech in it. I mean, this is where I just start doing quotes from sports movies again for like the 80th time. Uh, but the speech in it when Kurt Russell is in the locker room before they play Russia and he's like, these guys would beat us nine out of 10 times but not today. And you're like, oh, Kurt Russell, you're nailing it, my man. Um, it's so good, dude. Uh, it just brings a smile to my face. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Um, like I said, we're kind of, our family's kind of getting back into, uh, they're, like my daughter's bringing me back into hockey and she re- she's really enjoying it. And it's awesome to see because I'm all about like, Hey, let's try out all these different activities, you know, no pressure to like, you know, if you, if she wasn't enjoying it, then next year we'd be like, well, we're not doing that. Take that one off the list. Maybe we can try, you know, something different and all that, but she's loving it, dude. And they just like, I think the idea is like being able to expose kids to like multiple, multiple different facets of life because you don't know what you don't know, you know, uh, you, you aren't sure if you're going to like something unless you try it, you know, and especially for kids, like they don't know all of the different options that are out there. And as parents, I think part of it is just giving them a variety of opportunities 
And then at some point in the future when they're in high school or whatever, middle school or high school, like seeing what they really are connecting with and then just being supportive. But I think like right now, all my kids are, you know, fairly young. So I think the idea is just make sure they can have as many opportunities as we can give them possibly, you know, like obviously you're not going to be able to, you know, have them see every uh, different activity. There's like a billion of them, but, but trying to give them a variety of stuff and, and not obviously not only sports, but you know, different clubs that they could be in or different art forms and all that and just see what like sticks. Um, And that's one of the joys of being a parent is when you see it start to stick and they're like super excited about it and they want to they want to do their best and they see that improvement i think that's it like for me and like when i see my daughter and i talk to her before a practice and i'm like what's the what's your goal and she's like my goal is to have fun and i'm like yeah that's right girl and then she's like i'm like what's your other goal and she's like get a little bit better i'm like that's right get a little bit better each time uh, it doesn't have to be huge you don't have to be the best but yeah you got to be trying to get just a tiny bit better um, at what you're doing. So I think that's super cool. Um, one last thing to relate to Nate's story here. Uh, I started reading uh, The Storyteller. It's called a, it's a book called The Storyteller by Dave Grohl, uh, the lead singer of Foo Fighters. He was the drummer for Nirvana. Um, and it's, I think the thing I'm taking away from it, I mean, there are great stories, like entertaining, wild. You're like, wow, I can't. I can't believe like, yeah, I can't these, some of these stories, like you just kind of put yourself in his shoes as he's going through a variety, variety of seasons of life for him. But I think the main takeaway here is just pursue something passionately and take the opportunities when they are presented. Um, You're not always going to be presented with opportunities, but when they're there, sometimes you got to jump at them and sometimes you got to jump in like both feet into the pool without really knowing what's going to come from the opportunities, you know, with, with having faith that something will happen and like in some way you'll be improving your life, whether it's just you're learning lessons along the way or whether it's like a whole entire new career, a new pathway. Um, or if maybe you jump into an opportunity and then other opportunities arise because of that, you know, but I love the idea in this book of just just pursuing something and then being kind of fearless and in, in taking taking the opportunities, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It reminds me of Nate's story, though, uh, with the miracle where it's just like, hey, man, I'm going to do this because it sounds kind of cool and it'll be a funny story in the future and then it just him passing auditions and then all of a sudden getting lines and and all that and then he's in the movie filming it for months and I'm like that is so that is so cool and like what a life experience he's going to be able to have and kind of you know um, grow from and be able to like it just is, it's one of those things, the more life experiences you have, the more your life can be enriched. You know, you're painting a more complicated picture for your own life and a more beautiful picture. So, so yeah, uh, look for those opportunities and, and all that. So, all right, ladies and gents, we got a bunch of good shows coming up. 
Uh, can't wait to share them with you. And we'll get back with you all next week.